Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Greg. Thank you, Leslie. Thanks for the invitation to join this wonderful meeting. I am Greg. I'm a compulsive eater in Scottsdale, Arizona, USA. For those that don't know the area, Scottsdale is a suburb of Phoenix, Arizona, and I live in Scottsdale. I've lived here almost 40 years now. In fact, I moved from LA many years ago, and I love going to visit LA especially during the OA birthday, which we had to do virtually last week. It was absolutely an amazing event. I'm so glad that you guys put on all these wonderful, great programs. Again, my name is Greg, and I joined OA in 2006. And it is an absolute miracle. I'm looking at the clock right now here in Arizona. It's almost 7 p.m. And why am I not drunk tonight? I am not drunk tonight, and that is amazing. I don't mean drunk on booze. I mean drunk on cookies. I mean drunk on dessert. I mean drunk on sugar. Why am I not drunk tonight? That's the question I ask myself often. And it's a miracle that I'm not because I lived for dessert. I lived for dessert. As I said, I came into OA in 2006 and uh, I have been in OA and abstinent since 2008 maintaining about a 55 to 60 pound weight loss. I do not eat sugar, unless it's really low on the ingredient list. I do not eat any desserts. I don't have any junk food. I don't have any of that stuff. I'm a vegetarian. I'm at a healthy, normal body weight for many years. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. This Overeaters Anonymous program, it works. It really works. I'm gonna tell you what it was like before OA. Then I'll tell you what happened. And then I'll tell you what's going on right now. Okay, so what it was like before I came to OA, I remember living off of desserts even when I was a child. When I came home from school, even when I was in elementary school, I'd always have, and some of you are as old as I am, so you probably know what these are. I think we're allowed to mention food on this program. So I used to have ring dings and milk. Some of you are saying, boy, that guy must be really old. Ring dings and milk or Oreo cookies. I'd have that all the time when I got home from school. And then I'd have a very large dinner, and then have the same thing for dessert at night. And I did this all of the time, all the time. I used to require dinner at 6.35 p.m. growing up in New York City. 6.35 p.m., I would have dinner. Now, who requires dinner at the exact hour? Only a compulsive eater. You know why I required dinner? I needed to eat dinner at 6.35 p.m.? Because the sports report on the news ended at 6.35 p.m. So I couldn't eat a minute earlier or a minute later. And then 7 o'clock, there was something I always wanted to watch. So I used to eat at 6.35 p.m. And I was really, really skinny. I was really skinny until I was about 25. So I never had a problem with weight. I was a really skinny little kid. Always got picked on at school, bullied extensively. In fact, I never entered 
the front door of my middle school or high school ever entered the front door of my middle school or high school. Why? Because I used to get assaulted every single day at school by bullies. I would enter through the side, go up the steps, hide out in the library, and then go to class and do reverse after school was done. I never went to lunch because I was afraid of being bullied. I think that was one of the reasons I was always so skinny. I never had a weight problem. I never had a weight problem. You know when my weight problem started? It was when we had our first child. My wife lost her pregnancy weight. I did not. And my weight started to go up extensively since then. So as I mentioned, I lived on fast food and I lived on dessert. And I remember some really, really sad times relating to fast food. Really sad times. I remember when I was working in Scottsdale, this was when I was a little bit older, in my 20s when I was working uh, full time. I had a job that required me to go out and bring in new clients to our business. That was part of my job, to go out and meet people during lunch and then hopefully sign them up as a client. I never did that. I never, I never socialized with the other people at work. You know what I used to do? They would go out around noon as a group, say, Greg, come on, we're going out for lunch. Say, no, I'm too busy. I, I got so much work to do right here on my desk, I'm too busy. So I would move at about 20 to 25 minutes after they did. And I would go to Jack in the Box by myself. And I would carry a bunch of my work with me or newspapers. And I'd sit in the back of the restaurant by myself with my stack of work, looking really busy. Now, I didn't go to Jack in the Box to do my work. I went to Jack in the Box to eat a huge fast food lunch. And I did not want anybody else to see me eating. I didn't want any of my coworkers to see me eating, that's for sure. And you know, I lost income. I did not get promotions because I did not do my job socializing and smoozing with clients during lunchtime when I was supposed to. Or after work, taking them out for dinner. Food was my obsession. Eating was my obsession. I can remember we had a client meeting in Flagstaff, Arizona, which is northern Arizona, two hours north of Phoenix. And the meeting was going a little bit long. I needed to be home in Scottsdale for dinner because I didn't know when they were going to have dinner or if they were going to have dinner. I can't take that chance. I left the most important meeting with our largest clients early to drive home to Scottsdale to make sure I was home on time for dinner at six o'clock. Food was my, it ruled everything. My eating ruled everything. And I was getting fatter and fatter and fatter. Uh, my first marriage ended and I asked my wife as we were talking, I'd made amends to her and all that, everything's fine. She lives five minutes away, we're friends. She told me that the most stressful time of her day was when she heard the garage door open at 6 p.m. every single night. And she heard me turn the handle to the house. She said she tensed up because she knew I came home 
to eat. That was the worst part of her day for her. And I expected her to have the food on the table exactly at 6 p.m. That's the kind of person I was. She was working at home, she had nothing to do. Of course, I don't think that way now. She was raising our daughter. She was working part-time, doing the hell of a lot more than I was doing. Not at the time when food was my God. And it was, it was, it was horrible. I knew I was way too fat. No, I knew that. I'm going to share a picture of myself right now. I can do the screen share. So I'll put it up on the screen, the before shot. Hey, Greg, this is me. You're having some feedback on your microphone. I don't know. Can we try it maybe without the headset? I'll try to speak a little louder. Is this better at all? Still in there. All right. Well, keep going. Still in there? Well, if you're having feedback, then what I'll do is I'll turn off my Bluetooth, and hopefully that will be better. I'll just speak using the computer. Awesome. Thank you, Greg. So let's see if that works. I will keep talking momentarily. Interrupt me if you cannot hear me. Can you hear me okay now? Much better. Um, can anybody hear me speak? We can hear you. Can you hear us? No. So say yes if you can hear me. Okay, you can hear me. Anyway, I showed you the picture. Did you see the picture? Okay, so I'm a little bit thinner in the face right now. And you'll notice in that picture that I was wearing a dress shirt and I could not button the dress shirt. So I bought extenders. Anyone know what these little extenders are? So that you can, you can get the buttons to close, they go around the collar. And the problem with the extenders was they only extended it by a quarter of an inch. And that nearly, that certainly was not enough room for me. I needed extenders that were much, much, much larger. I want to finish up a little bit about what it was like by relaying an experience that I had. I was living in Prescott, Arizona for a little while. And my wife would go out hiking on a Saturday and I was not in shape to go hiking. So I went out for lunch by myself, like I always used to do. I went to In-N-Out Burger. I remember this very well on a Saturday anybody's gone to these places, it's filled with families. It's filled with people who are not alone. It's filled with people that are having a good time. It's filled with people that are enjoying themselves with the company they're with. And I would go into In-N-Out Burger and I would go to the back like I used to do when I was working. I would sit in the back with my stack of newspapers Wall Street journals, they had to be Wall Street journals, so it looked like I was important. That's important for my ego. And I would eat a huge meal. And then I would get up from the table and I'd look around and I'd see all these people having such a good time. And I left in that burger with tears in my eyes, literally cry, because I couldn't figure out why I wasn't as happy as everybody else and why I was even eating like that to begin with. Imagine going into a restaurant or going to a place where everybody is having a good time, except me. That was really, really very painful. And that's one of the events that led me 
to get into OA in 2006. The other event that led me to get into OA in 2006 was I hit a psychological bottom, I'd like to say, and I just, I just couldn't do it anymore. What, my entire life, I was bored to death, my entire life was miserable, and I didn't know what to do. And I didn't want to end up like my mother ended up. 45 years ago today, my mother took her own life. And she was 39 years old, and I was only 19. And I will tell you this, she did not have hope. She did not have a solution. She did not have an answer to her pain. And in 2006, I didn't have an answer either. I didn't have hope. And what she did didn't look so bad. You know, it was a good solution, I thought. But fortunately, I didn't take the final step. And that's when I found out that my aunt, who was very elderly, had just gotten sober in AA and was introduced, hey, there might be a 12-step program. So I'm very blessed that God intervened in 2006 and stopped me from taking the same route that my mother did. I won't get into all the details, but suffice it to say, through the steps, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, all the way through the ninth, I've totally forgiven her. This is a little bit off track as far as the chronological goes, but I've totally forgiven her, and I realize the gift that I have, and everyone on this call has tonight, the gift of a solution, the gift of hope, the gift of faith, the gift of a way out, from the matter, no matter what it was, no matter what it is, in this 12-step program, it's absolutely an amazing thing. There's so many people, my mother included, 45 years ago tonight, that did not have a way out, that did not have a solution. I'm not talking about that she was overweight or anything like that. It had nothing to do with that. She did not have the gift that I have tonight. And we all have tonight, because, or whenever you are listening, because we are on this call together. We are on this meeting together. And what a blessing that is. No matter what, if nothing else, if I'm sitting here eating cake, I at least know there's a solution. Then I came to Overeaters Anonymous in the fall of 2006. For over two years, I had no sponsor. I didn't read the big book, nothing. I vociferously dispute what the big book says, that half measures avail us nothing. I completely disagree. Half measures availed me a lot of weight. Half measures availed me a lot more obsession. Half measures availed me more isolation. So I disagree when it says half measures avail us nothing. Two years I was in OA. Some people call it as a tourist. You know why I was in OA? Well, obviously because I had that psychological breakdown, so to speak, that motivated me to get into the rooms. I was also there for socializing. I didn't have much of a social life. Yeah, I was married. But I, it was a couple of times a week I went to a meeting to chit-chat. What's wrong with that? There's probably a few people on this call tonight that occasionally go to a meeting and chit-chat. It's okay. It's socializing. There's nothing wrong with that. And I encourage people to, if nothing else, to get out there 
and be part of Overeaters Anonymous. I was part of Overeaters Anonymous for two years. I didn't have any recovery, but I was in the door. I opened the door and I went in the room and I kept coming back and kept coming back and kept coming back for whatever the reason was. Yeah, I kept gaining weight, but I kept coming back. No matter what, I kept coming back. So what happened exactly? December 2008, I showed you the picture before on the screen. That's the picture from December 2008, about 55 to 60 pounds heavier. I was just so that I finally had to do something. I had to do something. I don't even remember what, why I was motivated. So I went to a meeting in Scottsdale and there were two gentlemen in that meeting. And I said, you know what? I've heard that it's good to have a sponsor. You know, I, someone told me, a few people said, Greg, you can't do this alone. You need a sponsor. I said, okay. I might as well ask someone to be a sponsor. So there were two guys in the meeting that were into the big book. And I said, well, let me ask them. So I did a job interview. I interviewed them. Okay. My main question was as follows. Do you require someone to weigh and measure their food? This is what I asked two potential sponsors in December of 2008. Do you require that I weigh and measure my food? And one of them said, yes, it's important to weigh and measure your food. And the other one said, no, you don't have to weigh and measure your food. Which person do you think I selected? Right, the one that said, I do not have to weigh and measure my food. I'm very smart, right? Guess what I do now, by the way? I weigh and measure my food. But that's a whole other story altogether. So I asked him to be my sponsor. He has since moved out of state. I don't even know if he's in the program or not, but he was the opposite of me, totally opposite personality. And that's why I encourage people that are looking for sponsors is don't look for a sponsor in the mirror. Okay, don't look in the mirror and say, that's the kind of sponsor I want. Someone that's exactly the same religion, the same age, the same economics, the same color shirt, the same everything. No, don't look for a sponsor in the mirror. Look for somebody like I did that is completely opposite. I mean, this guy drove a motorcycle, okay? In my religion, we're not allowed to do that. This guy smoked. I'm not allowed to do that. This guy cursed. This guy did, you know, all these, he didn't even have any hair. I mean, imagine me picking a sponsor that didn't have any hair. I regret it at this time. Just easy. Anyway, he took me through the steps out of the big book. It took me about six months. None of this years and years and years. And even that, I think, was a little too slow. Some people I know, some people that are in this program, it takes them years to go through the steps. I know in the big book, and I'm a pretty much a big book literalist, I think Dr. Bob went through it in a weekend or something like that, um, very, very quickly. I went through steps quickly. Now, I've done them many, many times before, of course, as I've needed to. No graduation, although I wish sometimes there was. And here's the defining moment when I knew I was abstinent. December of 2008, I just selected a sponsor. My wife and I drove to Albuquerque, New Mexico from Phoenix. We were invited to a Christmas dinner. Now, we don't celebrate Christmas, but our friends invited us to a Christmas dinner, which was wonderful. The table was beautifully set with the red and the green and the candles and I mean, it was just a beautiful setting, the four of us, and she made a beautiful Christmas meal about the middle of December. The table was filled, and this is when I had 
you know, I had just started my absence. By the way, I asked my sponsor, I want to start January 1st. He said, no, you want me to sponsor you today? So anyway, after that, we drove to Albuquerque. We're sitting down at dinner and I take a piece of something, I put it in my mouth. And at that moment is when I became absent. Because you know what I did with whatever was in my mouth? I leaned over and spit it into my napkin. It was not bread, which I was eating back then. It was not, it was cake. So imagine this, maybe a week out of getting a sponsor, I already knew what was cake and what wasn't cake, what was sweet and what wasn't sweet. And I spit it into my napkin under the table. Now that's the good news. The bad news is we've never been invited back to their house again. Now, I don't know if that had anything to do with me spitting out our food or not, but we've never been invited back to their house again. But I'll tell you what, like I said before, I haven't had dessert since then. And I lived on dessert every single night in front of the television. And guess what? Also, people are going to think I'm really insane. No TV, no cable, nothing for 10 years, no Netflix. I spend my time working the program in the evening, reading, all these different types of things. It's fantastic. So what do I do now? Well, now I live by this little pamphlet here that some of you may recognize. It's called a big book. I spend my days and I spend my nights working the steps out of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. I work part-time. I'm 64 years old, so I do have some extra time during the day. And I sponsor often, and I do, I sponsor a lot. I do all the steps. I do service, speaking, outreach, tools, anything, you name it. My Pride and Joy was a couple of years ago. I was actually invited to a country in the Middle East. I'd been to Israel a few times and got to know some people over there, but it wasn't Israel that invited me to come over. It was Jordan. And I believe, I may be mistaken, but I believe that I am the only person ever to have put on a retreat, an OA retreat in an Arab country. And I did that in Amman, Jordan. It was absolutely an amazing experience. I still have, I occasionally am still in contact with the people over there. It was very difficult though in that political setting to continue having a 12 step program there. But this was a number of years ago. It was just fantastic to be, uh, they paid my way. So that even made it more fantastic <laughs> to do a retreat in Amman, Jordan. It was un unbelievable, truly unbelievable. I have been to meetings in many different countries and many different cities. I travel a lot. And Overage Anonymous is truly an amazing, amazing program. So like I said, I, I live my life based on the big book here. And I'm just going to run through the steps really quickly and how they apply to me. I admit it, I'm powerless over food and my life is unmanageable. I am so powerless over food. I'm so powerless over thinking about food. I still am. And I tell my sponsor sometimes, why do I still... Okay, I'm an overage anonymous since 2006 or 2008 when my recovery began. Why do I still think so much about food? I thought this was supposed to be completely lifted from me by now. I still think a lot about food. Greg, this is your 10 minute warning. How much, for some reason I can't hear you, but I have to figure out what the, uh, anyway. 10 okay. minutes. Thank you. I still think too much about food. 
what I'm going to have for breakfast, what I'm going to have for lunch, what I'm going to have for dinner. Fortunately, they're all absent meals. And I usually have the same breakfast every single day. A healthy breakfast where I used to have sugary cereal before program. I have a big salad for lunch. I think I mentioned I'm vegetarian too. So I have a big salad for lunch. I'll have a fruit in the morning, a snack in the afternoon, and um, an abstinent dinner as well. And I weigh and measure my food, which I never thought I would do. Never thought I would do. I'm still just as powerless. I still think a lot too much about food. I don't know. I don't know what to do about it. I just say, well, you know what? I am sane, step two. Came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. I am sane, I have been restored to sanity, given the fact that I have this illness. Someone that does not have this illness thought about food the way I do. I don't think they would be sane, but given the fact that I have this illness, my thinking and behavior is sane. I have to take care of myself. I have to think about what I'm gonna have for dinner. I have to go online to a website to research a restaurant menu. I have to plan my meals ahead of time. I have to plan the times I eat my meals ahead of time. I wish I didn't have to do that. I have turned my will and my love over to God. My life is based on serving God, literally. I mean, I mean, I spend a lot of time praying and meditating and chanting mantras. And uh, my spirituality is based on Eastern Indian religions, based on yoga, which is the foundation of my practice these days. Inventories, I do that a lot. Asking God, step seven, to remove my defects. That's part of my step 10 work, where I look for when things come up. Selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, fear. Ask God to remove, tell someone, correct the situation, and help others. W-A-T-C-H. Watch for when things come up. A is ask God. T is tell someone. C is to correct the situation by making amends if I've harmed anyone. And H is to be helpful. W-A-T-C-H. That's my acronym that I use. So I know I have a few minutes left before I stop. The most important step for me is step 11. So through prayer meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood them. That's where I spend most of my time. Step 11. And of course, step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps. I tried to carry this message to other compulsive eaters. And that's one of the reasons I'm doing this right now. Overeaters Anonymous has worked for me, not just the weight, but as a way of living. Someone shared a few minutes ago on their birthday in this program about they've lived through all the tragedies, deaths, health, economic, and so have I. This year has been a particularly tough year in my marriage and in my children's health. And I'm working my ass off in this program to not just not compulsively overeat, but to maintain that sanity and that serenity and that connection to God. And that's what it's all about for me is maintaining that constant, improving connection to my higher power. I recommend this way of life highly, whether you're doing the work, showing up for meetings, whatever it is, keep coming back. It works. I'll pass. Thank you so much, Greg. So we do have a few minutes for questions. If you have any questions, please click on the reactions tab at the very bottom and I will go ahead and call on you.
Okay, Stacy B, go ahead. Just make sure you can hear me again. Okay, hi, thank you for a wonderful share. I really enjoyed it. I liked the way that you, you, you emphasized. I got a lot out of the um, intensity of the way you describe your disease, the intensity. It was really spot on for me because I'm a very dramatic person and I, uh, I could, could tap into that. So my question, okay, here's, it's a weird question. Are we allowed to ask anything we want? I Not guess. too personal, I'm married. No, I didn't mean it like that. Uh, I meant, uh, it's a question about meditation. Um, I've been, um, wanting to delve into it especially this past year with everything uh, that's been going on in my life i know that the quiet moments can be um very healing and going inside can be very productive but um when i am active in addiction of course uh that's the last thing i want because i want to drown out any any semblance of who I am because God forbid I hear something that says stop eating because that's you know I want to eat so um I'm abstinent now and I'm I'm we don't yeah have, we don't have time for sharing so could you just ask your question please I will yes and thank you my question is um with the the meditation that I've been looking at online I was looking at something like uh do you recommend any specific meditation and have you ever done hypnosis? Everyone has a higher power of their own understanding. Here's one little secret that I'm only going to share just between you and I, Stacy. And I know nobody else is listening. The best technique for meditation is just, I believe for me, is just to sit quietly. No TV, no Netflix, no earbuds, no cell phone. So that's one of the things that I do. Thanks, Greg. Next, next question. Is, next is Maggie. Hi there. Thanks so much, Greg. Um, I have a simple question that could be very layered, but do you find joy in eating food nowadays? Like, and how do you find that joy in eating food? Do I find joy in eating food, Maggie? Yes, I do. I find joy in knowing that lunch is going to be coming up. I find joy in dinner is going to be coming up. I find joy in the foods that I eat. I used to find joy in Oreo cookies. And I don't eat that anymore. So I got to find joy somewhere else. And if I'm a compulsive eater, I better well damn enjoy my meals. Because food, as I said before, food is still important to me. It's not like an afterthought. Oh, I know some people that did I eat lunch today? I don't remember if I had lunch today. Did I have dinner? I can't remember if I had dinner. Or maybe I forgot that. Are they kidding me? I love my food. And I'm very blessed to have good food, and good healthy food. And I don't eat meat. Thanks, Greg. Next is... Um, Tina P. That was awesome. 
Um, I guess what I was wondering is I really liked your acronym, but I didn't write it down quick enough. So if you could repeat that, that would be great. It would be great, but I'm just not going to do it. Okay, since you asked so nicely, I will repeat. My acronym is, it's on the 10th step. By the way, if you see a car driving down the road with Arizona license plate, and the license plate says, and here's a quiz, the license plate says 10THSTP. 10THSTP. That's my car. And so this is the acronym I use for the 10th step, W-A-T-C-H. It's on page, uh, what is it, 84 or something? Yeah, on page 84, the 10th step, this thought brings us to step 10. Watch for when things come up. The book says selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, fear. That's W. A, ask God to remove them, W-A. Why do I ask God? It's the same as the seventh step prayer. I ask God so I can be more useful to other people and to God, have these defects removed. Selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, fear. W-A-T, it says discuss them with someone immediately. I changed the discuss to T, tell. So watch and ask, tell somebody. Don't keep it a secret. C, it says to make amends if we've harmed anyone, so I change it to correct the situation. Watch, ask, tell, correct if I've harmed anybody. And H is go and help somebody. And I usually try to find somebody I wouldn't normally help. Like I can't say, okay, well, I'm going to help wash the dishes tonight. Well, that doesn't count because that's something I should do anyway. And you know why I know I should do it anyway? Because I'm on my second marriage. And my first wife told me, do the dishes. And I said, my second wife, I volunteer. I've learned my lesson. So W-A-T-C-H. Husbands, do the dishes. Awesome. Thank you so much, Greg. So we are 